and welcome to this week's episode of Dungeons and Drama Nerds. I'm Todd Brian Backus, and I'm here this week to talk to Elliot Peterson. Hi. The GM of our Blades in the Dark campaign. We're going to talk a little bit about theater, tabletop games, and the game that they ran for us. So thanks for joining us, Elliot. Good to be here. Wonderful. Um, can you talk a little bit about your background as a theater artist and technician, what that's been like for you? Yeah, uh, I've been doing like freelance electrician work. Which, like, for, for several years, I did two apprenticeships and then started doing freelance, like, theater in the D.C. area. So, like, I, I'm on a, several overhire lists at a whole bunch of theaters within the area. Lots of the big, like, major regional theaters in the D.C. region. And, like, it's it's fun. Like, it's cool doing work at a bunch of different places at once. So, like, I will load in a show at, like, say, Signature. And then the next week I'm going and doing something at Arena. And also being able to take show calls at a whole bunch of different places. And so, like, I can have, like, my favorites of, like, oh, this one pays well and is closer to where I live. Or, like, ooh, <laughs> if I'm doing a show call, uh, that that theater has the more comfortable spot position. <laughs> so that has a preference. Mm -hmm. Are you talking, like, follow spot or, like, running the board or? Yes. Or are you just talking about? Okay, cool. Yeah. <laughs> All of the above. Nice. I do some follow spotting, programming, running the board. Try to be well. Try to be well-rounded. I also know that you're quite the TTRPG player with characters on Paradigm Academy and Moon Harbor Heroes. Can you talk to us a little bit about those in particular, and also your tabletop background in general? Yeah, uh, for Moon Harbor Heroes, I've been there from the start. I am also one of the producers, uh, kind of functioning as like scheduling person, but we've we've gotten better better about that lately. I play. Formerly Machina, currently Rebel Rouser in the Cataclysm crew line. Started as a Scion and is now a Legacy. Bit of a spoiler alert, but those episodes have been out for a while. So like that that's a really fun time. It has been really fun to play this character for, oh God, we started two years ago. Mm -hmm. It's like, it's been really fun playing a Masked character and like getting really far with that. And then in Paradigm, I play the innocent uh, Leah Kino, or Echo, who actually recently won the March Masksness Championship for 2021. Wasn't there, I'm, forgive me if I'm wrong, wasn't there a point where like both of your characters from these two podcasts were up against each other in one of the brackets? It was two two characters from the same podcast, so it, it wasn't, they weren't mm. both my characters, it was me and gotcha. another character from the from the podcast from paradigm for the okay, finals ooh um and then could we talk a little bit about like uh what ttrpgs have you, do you play how long have you been playing um that kind of stuff in a more general sense yeah i've been i've been playing on and off since high school like high school a friend brought me into a group playing 3.5 edition which is uh, I I I'm not a fan of D and D now, but like it was a fun introduction. Like we had, we enjoyed ourselves, and then I could never find friends to play with until after college, <laughs> which is the real struggle of RPGs. Trying to have like no no the trouble isn't having a group of friends; it is uh, having somebody who will run at things. Mm -hmm. It's easy to find players, harder to find GMs. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, but afterwards. Um, Actually, once Tess brought me in to do Moon Harbor Heroes was when I started really discovering other games. Thank mm -hmm. God. <laughs> so I immediately jumped into Masks and then branched out into a bunch of other Powered by the Apocalypse games, which is like mostly where I, I feel the most comfortable. But like since then, I have like learned learned a whole bunch of other games like 
like my, more mic- micro RPGs to do some one shots or just not even micro, but just shorter ones in general. And re- more recently, like Blades in the Dark, which I could easily then branch out into Forged in the Dark games. Yeah. But mostly, mostly powered by the apocalypse. Nice. Nice, nice. Um, now, I know this wasn't your first time GMing, but it was your first time GMing Blades in the Dark. Can you talk a little bit about what that was like for you and also like things that were exciting about the system for you? So I had only played Blades in the Dark one session before running. Not this one, but we had like a what's the word, like a trial run. We did we did a one shot before we got into the character creation for this one, just since I think nobody else had played Blades in the Dark before. Yeah. So it's kind of like, okay, let's just all make some characters, throw ourselves into the starting situation in the book and see how this all works. So that was my first time GMing it. But yeah, it was very interesting. Like it took me several re like rereads of the book to really get it, get my head in the space. And mm-hmm. honestly, what helped me the most was I find that like the book and the handouts like are really helpful, but things are also very like piecemeal and spread around. So mm-hmm. for the session zero where we made all the characters in the crew, I ended up just making a whole like Google Docs notes of just doing the whole rundown of, okay. Here's like the introduction to the world I want to do. Here is all of the steps for character creation and all of the notes on that. Here's all the steps for crew creation. And here's like notes of like, where in the book can you find more on that and whatnot? Mm-hmm. And then going down later of like, hey, here's some stuff that didn't come up in the one shot. And just like writing all of that down helped me get in the mindset of the game a bit better and like get the mechanics in my brain. Mm-hmm. Were there any mechanics that you were particularly like, I know that the GM doesn't roll in this one, but were there any mechanics you were particularly excited to like play around with? The GM can roll actually. Oh yeah. Uh, The engagement role can like, I guess really anybody can do it, but I did the Mm -hmm. rolling for the engagement role. Mm -hmm. Also the GM can make fortune rolls. Oh yeah. 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 Um, And was that where the, were the fortune rolls and the engagement rolls, the mechanics that you were like, Ooh, this is fun. The, the engagement role was very interesting. Uh, it was it was cool actually being able to, to roll as a GM. It's been a long time. I do really enjoy the whole like planning the score, like mm-hmm. just make it quick, like make it simple. There's I think like six options of like types of scores to go on. And it's just the general you're doing like a heist and you have like a detail to fill in and then that's it. You just you go. Mm-hmm. And like I, I like that. And also I think one, one of my favorites is the load. Yeah. One thing that I really hated in Dungeons and Dragons is like, I think specifically with spells, it's like you have to like with some of the classes, you have to like prep them in advance. Mm-hmm. And it was like, I don't know what I'm going to need. Right. I don't know what the situation is going to be versus in Blades of the Dark. It's just, OK, I'm going to bring like a normal load and then you mark things off as you use them. Mm-hmm. Like, that's brilliant. I do like the ability to be like, oh, this is the, what would be useful here. And so I don't mm-hmm. need to agonize over like X or Y or Z in my kit ahead of time, but instead just like, oh, I still have some item slots I haven't used yet. Let's do this. Yeah. Yeah. Like it's, it's really helpful. It's something that's so small, but like is such a huge impact. Now I want to segue a little bit into our campaign um, that you delivered. That was such a, a lovely treat to listen to. And while we don't want to get into spoiler territory because you know, only the first episode of the AP is out so far. Um, can you talk a little bit about like what are the things that you really wanted to latch on to or lean into as you were kind of setting up what scenario they might be encountering? 
the stuff that I was trying to like find to latch onto to make like a starting situation since the book advises for the start of any campaign, no matter the length, like you want to throw these characters into the action and not have them floundering at the start of like, oh, what, what kind of score do we want? They can figure that out later, but you want to you want to start something. So mm. the book specifically recommends having like two or three factions involved. So what I really enjoyed was trying to find which factions kind of fit with with the group, since there was a mix of when they made the characters, they already had ties to some factions, like for, for good and bad. And then also I had gone around and asked, like, like for you as players, which factions are catching your interest? So trying to look between those. Um, and also, I think one of the factions that I ended up using, actually, nobody had brought up, but mm-hmm. it ended up fitting well with one of the, like, I think it was Milos's background. And also when we ended up coming up with, uh, af- after the the session zero, I had realized that we hadn't come up with a product for the crew to sell. So they came up with uh, booze, which is like, I guess like ghost liquor. Yep. <laughs> we never came up with, like, we never settled like exactly what it does, but like it's, it's ghost haunted, haunted liquor. And so... That ended up tying into a faction that nobody had mentioned, but like it seemed like it fit. So it was it was fun, like trying to see like in the book they have about half of the factions listed have like more details. And so some of them have like situations that they are currently in. So it was cool, like looking through those and being like, hmm, which ones which one's going to fit with this group, if any, with the factions. It had taken me a while to try to figure out which ones would mesh together. Mm hmm. If that makes sense, because like they all they have to be like in at like there has to be a conflict going on. So it was hard to figure out like where where things that would fit that would also like really engage all five characters. So it it, it took a bit of 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 trying trying to figure that out because there, there was a lot of things from all of these characters that I wanted to bring in. I wanted to have like Ellery's goober rides that actually came up a decent amount. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that was fun. Uh, I really enjoyed bringing in. Like for Morena, I get the yeah, Trisha didn't 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 come up too too much, but I did bring in like generally the whole like storyline of she's a she's like a princess and lost everything. That was really fun to dig into. <laughs> we had a lot of fun with with Milos. Uh, I th- I had asked at the end like what is what is something that you want to see with your character, just like in general from from this and. Nick had said, oh, yeah, I really want to see him, like, not necessarily find, like, romantic love, but, like, bond with somebody, connect. Mm -hmm. And that ended up turning into, like, everybody just being, like, trying to play matchmaker with Velos. So it was really fun to just continue to, like, pester him, like, in a way, like, with quotation marks of just, like, here's some NPCs for you. (laughs) I'm trying to remember. There's a there's this tweet that I saw a while ago, and they were like, "Tabletop games? You mean flirting with your friends?" Um, and what I found delightful listening into the play sessions was it was less flirting with your friends and more, "How can I set my friend up with this fictional person right now?" It, it really is. I I run like a a non recorded like a home game of Monster of the Week, and there's there's eight eight players, and. <laughs> Yeah, there's a lot. And like, I think like three of them are currently like, 
three or four are currently like dating or have some connection with an NPC. Like mm-hmm. one one character straight up like switched to pair romantic and was just like, I like role playing, like romance with you. And it was like, yeah, I understand. It's really fun. <laughs> Do you have any tips for like a newbie GM? Like what are what are common pitfalls um, that you would like? What's the one thing you would tell someone to avoid and like one thing you would tell someone to lean into? One thing I would tell a new gym to avoid is Dungeons and Dragons. Uh, if <laughs> if you are, it, it's 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 ridiculously complex. If that is your thing, good good for you, happy for you. If you are trying to learn to GM, it's not helpful whatsoever. There are, there are so many games that like have the whole like sections for the GM that actually really teach you how to GM in like a practical way, not like here's tables for you and here's like how to make dungeons. It's more of like, hey, here's how to make a story, which I think is like the important thing, things to lean into. I think honestly, like learn, lean into doing less, if that makes sense, like lean into your players, give your players chances to build up like some of the lore of the world, like make up NPCs they will be more engaged if they are also creating stuff. For sure. For sure. Also, like, it's so easy to just like immediately be like, oh, yeah, here's like your cousin. Uh, what's their name? Tell me. Tell me about them. Let me just sit back and like you could tell me everything about them. Mm-hmm. I I had seen uh, a bit of advice that I thought was like really, really salient recently, which was like plan simple adventures. Your players will make them complicated. Yeah. Like it will yeah. always go sideways. Make something yeah. simple and let them make a mess of it. Yeah. Like when I was prepping, like prepping for this and I had had like the first score, it seemed super simple. And I'm just like, oh, should I like come up with like something like as like a backup for like a second one just in case? Oh my God. They took so long on the first one. <laughs> Isn't that always just, the way? Yeah. I was just like, Wow, like this is great. This is entertaining. Like this is good stuff. But oh my god, this is taking so much longer than I thought it would. <laughs> um, is there anything that you have coming up that our listeners should know about? Um, whether that's on another podcast or another just like project in general you're working on. And also, can you plug your socials for us? Yeah, I think the only thing coming out that isn't like the usual like I'm on Moon, Moon Harbor and Paradigm is that Paradigm is doing. Uh, like a whole bunch of one shots for free comic book day coming up coming up in August. So I'm going to be running a one shot of Thirsty Sword Lesbians, which is also going to be featuring uh, Percy from this podcast. Yeah. And um, I could be found. I'm on Twitter at Elliot Yellen. Uh, Elliot with two L's, one T, Y-L-E-N. Excellent. Dungeons and Drama Nerds is produced by Todd Brian Backus, Percival Hornack, and Nicholas Orvis, and is mixed and edited by Anthony Sertel Dean. Find us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at DNDramaNerds, check out cast files on our website, DungeonsAndDramaNerds.com, and tune in next week for another episode of Dungeons and Drama Nerds. Dungeons and Drama Nerds.